Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Betting, a Sports Garden Network production. We are your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports intelligence. And now, here's your host, Tom Barton. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Believe in Betting. I am your host, Tom Barton. This is a Sports Garden Network production. If you guys want to get in touch with us, please hit us up over at all the social media, Facebook, Twitter. It is all of them. Hashtag SGN, Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. Also gets you part of it, sportsgarden.com. Any of our fine syndicated affiliates, we have the I Want to Bet show on the weekend, two-hour show that we do. Make sure you guys listen into that as well. Guys, look, we're, we're <laughs> sitting here in the middle of the NBA playoffs. What else am I going to talk about but the NBA playoffs? Next week, we are going to dive into the NFL draft. There's a lot of opportunities to make money in the NFL draft, lots of prop plays and things of that nature. So we will absolutely have a draft special next week. The NHL is coming to the end, to the conclusion. We're seeing some huge favorites this week alone. There was 23 straight favorites in the NHL hit. 23 of them in a row. Unbelievable when you think about it. And then what happened the next two nights? A plus 375 and a plus 400 underdog both cashed out. Look, that's the life of the NHL, especially late in the season. So we'll get into that. You know, when the playoffs kind of get rolling, we'll give you a playoff preview and see who is really good for making some money here late in the season. I caution people to stay against, stay away. Look, you even look at teams, oh, they must need it. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights were uh, about a 300, minus 300 favorite, three to one favorite, and they went down at home to the lowly Devils. They scored one goal in 57 minutes of that game against the seventh worst defense in the league. So, I just urge you, everybody, just stay away right now. Uh, you got about five or six games each in the NHL. Major League Baseball, hey, there's situational spots, right? Situational spots where right now you probably can make a little bit of money on it. I talk about situational spots all the time. I talk about Adam Wainwright on opening day, Adam Wainwright against the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's money. Well, what about the Milwaukee Brewers? Yeah, they are money against the Pirates as well. It seems like everybody against the Pirates, but... This week, uh, Corbin Burns, the reigning Cy Young Award winner, was only two to one favorite at home against the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Milwaukee Brewers have won 36 of 51 against the Pirates and 90 of 105 at home coming into that game. They won that game easily, and you're only laying two to one. When you compare that to the NHL numbers, that's not so bad. But I do want to talk about the NBA because the NBA is in full bloom here in the playoffs. So they are the lead story. And we want to get into some of these series and what we're looking at moving forward. Now, I know we've uh, you know all looked forward to the NBA playoffs. And I think that we've had some decent games here early on. But we do see a lot of 2-0s. Miami over Atlanta's 2-0, and it hasn't been close. What Miami's doing is they are holding down this Atlanta offense. Miami's defense has come to play the last couple of years. And let's not forget that Miami has been, gotten knocked out the last two years by the eventual champions, okay? The eventual team that go on to win the NBA championship has knocked out the Miami Heat over the last two years. So they know how to play, and they know how to play well. They have the home court advantage they were the number one overall seed they feel disrespected and what they did with atlanta 
is they just beat up Trey Young. I'm sure you guys have watched the videos. They literally, physically are treating him like it's mid-90s basketball. Atlanta cannot get anything done. Trey Young looks absent. Jimmy Butler went nuts for 45 in game two. I don't see any difference going to Atlanta. I know Atlanta folks want to say the jolt of the new stadium, of the going back to the arena and the jolt of, uh, you know, this is going to be Trey Young's series and all that. Look, the way that Miami is playing and the style that they're playing, I don't think anything changes here. So moving forward, I don't see much of a difference. Maybe Atlanta grabs one game here or there. But Miami, you know, they started out as a six and a half or seven point favorite. Then they went up to a seven and a half point favorite. Now they're going to Atlanta, only a couple of points. I think that there might be some value there in game three, certainly in game four. Philadelphia-Toronto, more of the same, right? Philadelphia has come in. They have shown that they could go three deep. Maxi is that third guy. 38 points in the first night, 23 in the second game. And it's now not only Embiid filling up the prop sheet and the, the, the stat sheet, but it's also Maxi. And I didn't say Harden because while he had 14 assists in the first game, he only had 14 points in the second game. Right now, I'm staying away from James Harden as far as prop plays go. I'm staying away from Embiid just because they keep elevating him so high. But Maxi's filling up the stat sheet, not only in the point scoring uh, area, but in the other areas as well. He almost had a triple-double. So he's somebody I'm counting on right now as far as Toronto goes. Look, they play well up in Toronto. They play well up in Canada, but... Right now, they look totally outmatched. They haven't been in any of these games. They really had one good quarter, and that good quarter, by the way, uh, was a 33-32 lead, and that's about it. That brings me to something, if I could digress for a moment here. Um, when you're talking about the NBA playoffs, what we've seen early on, look, favorites are ruling the day. Favorites at a point here were 13-1 and over the first 14 games. They are ruling the day. They are covering but early on, first quarters, you're starting to see a lot of these teams play within a point or so. They're getting out of the locker room with a game plan. It's performing well. The underdogs are right there. So if you do like an underdog, instead of maybe taking them for the full game or even the half, look at first quarter lines because first quarter lines in Philadelphia might have been okay. First quarter lines in Miami, Atlanta. You, you can take a look at some of these first quarter lines and say, okay, these teams are pr playing pretty well. So those two are kind of on a collision course. They're both up 2-0. They're both going to Toronto and Atlanta, but I don't see much changing. Maybe you give Toronto a game. Maybe you give Atlanta a game, but the series isn't going to change. And I'll tell you what, I'm not even taking Atlanta or Toronto in game threes, and I don't think I like them in game fours either. So to me, the you, you might be looking at two sweeps and then moving on to the next round. Back in the bottom portion of that bracket, if you're looking at it like a bracket here, Milwaukee, Chicago, game one, Milwaukee comes out like gangbusters. They are dominating over Chicago. They're leading it all. And then Chicago kind of comes back. Milwaukee has a terrible scoring and a terrible shooting um, third period, but more scoring. And I say scoring because they did have some good looks, just didn't wind up working out for them. And then you look at Okay, Milwaukee in the fourth quarter started a defensive mindset. That's something I spoke about, about this Milwaukee team. If they were going to win a championship, they really needed a defensive mindset. They were 19th in the league in defense overall on the year, and they're normally a top 10 team. I love the fact that they reset themselves and said, we're going to be a defensive team here when it counts most. Chicago came out of that game holding their heads high, feeling good about themselves, and, and offensively said, hey, we did okay. Guys, they scored 86 points. 86 points, and they felt okay about it. I think Milwaukee rolls in this series. I think they're going to, you know, maybe Chicago will take one game, but I love the fact that Milwaukee's defense is there. And by the way, yes, they were 10-point favorites and did not cover in game one. Didn't really matter, did it? Uh, because 
that as bad and poor and terrible as they played, they still won the game and they won the game by seven. So maybe you don't back double digit favorites in this spot, but I'm looking at Milwaukee and I'm going, I don't think they're going to have much of a problem in this series. Boston, Brooklyn, totally different. 115, 114. We watched uh, Kyrie absolutely take down his his team. That was it. He hit the last shot, 39 points. Kyrie's the hero until Tatum did his old spin-a-rooney move and put it in, and what a finish it was. We had the conversation on my Wanna Bet Weekend show, and, you know, somebody wrote in, uh, uh, you know, to... You guys can do it as well over at Twitter and over at Facebook, Sports Garden GRT. And it said, I was underrating uh, Jason Tatum because I didn't say he's a superstar. I said he has to win the series and perform well to be a superstar. Well, this is right along those lines. And I like Jason Tatum a lot. I think he's got to knock out the Brooklyn Nets here and move on. The funny thing is, is that Kyrie had an amazing game and Durant didn't. I expect Durant to say, hey, look, you know, you might be mad at this team. You might not like this team, but I got to take this series over. I got to take this game over. I expect Durant to have a much, much better performance in game two and moving forward in the series. But it is no fluke here that the Boston Celtics were the hottest team in the league. It is no fluke here that the Boston Celtics were the number one defense in the league. None of this is a fluke what the Boston Celtics are doing, and I still believe that people are not giving them the credit that they deserve. Boston is for real. They absolutely go too deep with Brown and uh, and Tatum, but they also go three deep now with the defensive MVP and the defensive player of the year that we haven't had a guard win the award since the glove Gary Payton back in Seattle days. So you look at this and you go, there's no fluke here. Maybe they don't have the star names of Kyrie and Durant, but as a collective team, they are dangerous. I like the points in all every game of this series. And I like the points in game one. I thought Boston was going to win, which they did. But I wasn't taking anything more than give me the four and a half with Brooklyn. Now, it doesn't matter to me. Every single game in the series, I expect to be a basically a bucket game. And if I got to go one way or the other, I'll take the points. It doesn't matter if Boston's getting them. doesn't matter if Brooklyn's getting them. If you're giving me points, I'm taking those points. All right, let's go to the Western Conference. Memphis, Minnesota. I am not at all surprised with how this series went. And I told everybody that would listen, this kind of is how the series would go. It's tied 1-1, but it's very, very different than just being a regular 1-1. Look, Minnesota was riding high. Everybody was making fun of them for celebrating the way that they did. They won a playoff game and a play-in game. And everybody said, oh, look, they're celebrating like it's a championship. Well, they have mismatch problems. Edwards is a mismatch problem. Carl Anthony Towns is a mismatch problem. On the other side, this team's coming in. They're riding high. Oh, everything's great. On the other side, you have a Memphis team, a Memphis team that you look at and you go, well, they're 24 years old, the average age, the the only team in history to have that high of a winning percentage, the second best winning record in the league since 1951-52 at this young age. Their star player only played about two-thirds of their entire season as a team. They had a lot of that, oh my goodness, we're back, we're here in Memphis, it's going to get crazy. I am not shocked that they lost game one because the moment might have been a little too big for these young guys. They came back in game two and did exactly what I thought. Minus seven, went out there and dominated the game. Absolutely crushed Memphis, uh, Minnesota by almost 30 points. They Memphis just looked like we thought Memphis would look like. And I think that's what they're going to look like moving forward. But I will say this, look, going to Minnesota now, you might have some of that emotion again. Going to Minnesota, you might have some of that, uh-oh, well, we're on the road now in a different situation. I think Minnesota grabs one more game in the series. 
But Memphis is going to constantly correct. They're a team that might be young, but they're going to learn from their mistakes as they did in game one. And Memphis may not lose another game in this series, but I'm going to give Minnesota at least one game, maybe at least close game. But the Lions are saying that people are expecting Minnesota to very potentially come up and win the series. Uh, I'm not one of those people. Denver, Golden State, it's 2-0. Golden State was my winner. I talked to you guys last week. I said they're going to win this whole thing, and it was because of Poole, who is absolutely fantastic. Steph Curry's coming off the bench scoring 34. I love Jokic, and I think going back to Denver is going to give them a little bit of a bump, but not enough to get past Golden State. I look at this Warriors team like an absolute, just a, they're just a steamroller, man. They're just going through people. How do you stop the scoring that they have? Joker had a good game. Look, he averages 28 a game. He had 26, right, last game. He had 26. He was right there with 11 rebounds, right there with, what did he have, five, six assists. He was right there with his normal averages that gave him the MVP most likely this year and certainly last year. He was right there within a couple of points, and they lost by 20. They lost by 20. So Yoki can go out there and look absolutely fantastic, and they're still not in the game. I mean, look, they're not losing, guys. They're not in the game. That is upsetting if you're looking at Denver, uh, any kind of, anybody on a Denver ticket. I don't think Denver wins a game here. I mean, you might convince me about game three going back home. Maybe, but I'm not doing it. To me, it's the Warriors. I think they go on a 4-0 split, and I feel bad for Memphis and Minnesota. I don't think it's going to be a contest getting all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Dallas, Utah, uh, very interesting scenario because both of them come out of a 1-1 tie after two games and going, hey, we feel good. Utah is saying, hey, we feel good. Look, we went on the road, 1-1 with the number one offense in the league, and we're coming home to Utah where for years, okay, we've been fantastic. Our star player, Donovan Mitchell, who is the second best right now playoff performer of all time offensively, yeah, he's a uh, top five all time, I should say, a second best active. He's performing really well. We're getting what we want. 1-1 going back to Utah. Okay, we're going to take it. Dallas is saying, wait a minute, 1-1 going to Utah, and we've been without Luka? We don't have Doncic out there, and we're 1-1? Oh, we will take that. Dallas's defense has been absolutely fantastic. Now, game three, everyone's expecting Luka to come back, but what's interesting is that the line has gone from game one, Utah minus five, game two, Utah minus five, game three, Utah minus six, and Luka's supposed to come back. I don't know if Luka's coming back for game three, guys. He might wait until game four when they sort of need him, quote-unquote, but when he does come back, it's going to be interesting to see how he affects this team because this team right now is playing that defensive-minded sort of situation. They are a defensive-minded team. They've been able to hold down this number one offense by Utah. They've been able to contain them. Well, when Luka comes back, he's certainly going to infuse some offense and some excitement into the team, but does that mean that he's going to infuse or disrupt the defense-first mentality that they have? If you have a mentality of defense first, we're going to win with D, we're going to play with D, and then you now add Luka in there. I'm not telling you that he's a terrible defensive player. What I'm saying is that the mindset may change and it may throw them off. The one thing I certainly do expect, game one was 207 and a half. It went way under. Game two was 205 was the total. It went way over. It went 10 points over. Game three is now set at 210, 210 and a half. I expect more overs in Salt Lake City. Look, I think game one was more of a fluke. You look at Donovan Mitchell, who just came out of that at the half at three points, and I just don't see that happening again. So if there's anything, I'm leaning towards the over 
in game three and for the rest of the series if it continues to keep coming down. If Luka comes back, the sports books and public will probably adjust and push it over a little bit. Phoenix, New Orleans, this is the shocker of all shockers. Not only did New Orleans win one in Phoenix, they actually completely and utterly controlled the game. Now, I've said it time and time again, C.J. McCollum, since he's been traded over there, New Orleans has been a much better team. They were 13-9 and with him on the court. They also had a top-10 defense. I've said that time and time again, but I don't think that Phoenix... At least I didn't think Phoenix was going to lose a game. Now, Booker, it looks like, is going to be out for the next couple of games. That will impact the line. But you're going from Phoenix, a 10, 10 and a half point favorite in game one, covered, uh, and and was right there, right? New Orleans was right there uh, because of that defense. Phoenix in game two was a 10, 10 and a half point favorite. Obviously, New Orleans, again, covered that spread, and they were right there again, winning outright. Now, game three, Phoenix minus two, two and a half, depending on where you're looking. Two, two and a half. I know Booker's huge, and Booker should get a lot more MVP consideration than he is. I fully get that, but I think that this line might be a gift. They're going to have to learn to play without him, and, and against New Orleans, in New Orleans, it looks like an upset spot. I'm telling you that the entire public, everybody, and I'm looking at early numbers at about 75%, everyone's going to be on Phoenix. Everyone's going to go on Phoenix. I just cannot sit here and tell you that I think New Orleans could get this win. I think Phoenix might have gotten a wake-up call. You can't blame it all on Booker going down. You simply can't. It's got to be something more than just Booker going down. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. A quick NBA kind of playoff reset where we are with the NBA and how we're looking. Moving forward, I think the big boys are going to continue to move on. I do think that there's some value with the Utah over. I think there's value in points in Boston, Brooklyn. I do like the big boys to continue to keep rolling. I think Philly keeps rolling. I think Miami keeps rolling. I think the Bucks keep rolling on. And you can make some money even though the favorites are crushing it. I think you still can make some money with the favorites. All right, that's going to do it for me, everybody. This is Sports Garden Production. I'm Tom Barton. Make sure you go check us out at sportsgarden.com. G-A-R-T-E-N. We'll be back and you can bet on that. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.